0: 2020 i'm not fucking around man like 2020 i'm not fucking around like i i want to do some damage in the most beautiful way um so obviously just just pay attention watch the story watch the growth because it's going to be we're going to go fast uh-huh uh-huh yes sir yeah
1: look Hello, 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 is this thing on? Good morning, good night, good afternoon. I have no idea what time of day you are listening to this, but I hope your day has been well thus far. Today we have a very special guest on The Voice Experience, Quentin Alums. If you are a LinkedIn fanatic like myself, you will recognize him as the guy with the wide black hat on LinkedIn. He is someone who was one of the very first people to get really popular on LinkedIn just by kind of vlogging about his day and talking about his entrepreneurial activities. Quentin is the CEO and I believe co-founder of Urban Misfit Ventures. They are a shop in Milwaukee. They do video content creation for small businesses and brands. They host events. But really what he was telling me is it's a parent company um, with a bunch of things underneath it and a bunch of new things that they're going to be uh, unleashing in the coming years. And we get into that a little bit in this interview. We also talk about you know just a wide variety of things that I personally am interested in. We talk about virtual reality. We talk about Q's um, career as a musician. We talk about public speaking. We talk about how to get comfortable on video. We talk about why he decided to stay in Milwaukee and not move to New York, San Francisco, or Seattle. We talk about not being one-dimensional on a platform like LinkedIn and making sure that you're creating content for Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and Twitter, etc., etc., et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. This was just really, really fun because I feel like Q is just one of those guys who's always thinking ahead. He's one of those people that just has so much energy, is so passionate about the things that he's doing, and he's just someone that I'm really, really glad that I now have had a 30-minute conversation with, and I'm really, really excited to share that with you. So without further ado, Q. Please tell us what your definition of a misfit is, and why you decided to name the company Urban Misfit Ventures.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I think a misfit is really just someone that goes against the grain, someone that's willing to do whatever it takes to get um, to where they need to go. And I know that's not the traditional answer. That's just my definition. I wanted to flip it, and it's what I've done in order to get to what, in order to get to where we've gotten. Um, I would say how it relates to Urban Misadventures, dude. Like the most important thing for us is that like we're representing, right? Like we're an example of what you can do. If you do own your quirk, if you do own your uniqueness, this is where you can get to, but we also want to give people not necessarily a blueprint, but we want to show them a path and help them get to the resources that they can get um, by um, being that example. And again, like bringing value and creating the content that we do and setting up meetups and um, building that community that we are fostering now.
1: A hundred percent. And just for context, you know, most of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast are fans of you, but they may actually not know what Urban Misfit Ventures does. So what is it exactly that you guys do?
0: Yeah, so essentially Urban Misadventures is a parent company. So we own a content agency that helps essentially helps people, brands, companies build influence through video, through strategy. Um, so that is that takes up most of our time, but we also have a community. So think anywhere, events anywhere such as like pop-up shops, fashion shows, networking events, panels, things like that, but really community focused. And then in the future we plan on launching our own brands, other companies that then the agency is a fuel to help them um, drive that success.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So tell me, are you from Milwaukee?
0: So I'm originally from Twin Cities, grew up in a Highland Park area, sample.
1: Okay. And so the reason I ask is because a lot of the startups and a lot of the small businesses that listen to this podcast, they struggle with, you know, do they have to move to New York or San Francisco or Seattle to do their thing? Why did you want to stay in Milwaukee? And why did you feel comfortable staying there?
0: Dude, honestly, I wanted to leave. Um, I still have a very, I still very much have a love-hate relationship with Milwaukee. I love the city, and I'm indebted to the city, and I do feel like this weird obligation to help the city figure out its story. I haven't really figured out why I have that 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 sense of obligation, but I have it. but I stayed because, again, like it's it's like a blank canvas, man. Like there's so much opportunity here, and like there's there's potential to grow and build something. Whereas if I was in New York, it's like, hey, like yeah, it's just another another person starting a startup in in New York. No one gives a shit, right? But like, damn, we're in Milwaukee. What's in Milwaukee? Oh, we're thinking of the misfits, right? So having that control, having that narrative, but also like paving our way is something that would be. Very, very hard in, a, in another city, which is why we stayed. And again, we wanted that representation. And we're big believers in uh, resourcefulness is always going to be more important than resources. And we wanted to prove that not just by like what we have, but where are we living? Where are we based out of? And that's Milwaukee. Milwaukee is very much a misfit city to me.
1: <laughs> and so tell me, you know, you f- said you feel like you're obligated to put Milwaukee on the map a little bit. How has Urban Misfit Ventures been leaning into that? Have you been partnering with other startups in the area? Have you been like throwing events in Milwaukee? Like, how are you making that real? Dude, a lot of it is is—is the content.
0: We do yeah. host events and we have, and we've slowed down on it a little bit. It's something we want to get back into, but I would say the real impact is either our digital community or like the content, and the reason I say that honestly is just representation. Um, I was on a call with another guy, and he was like, "Dude, like I every single creator that I love, that I'm like, wow, that's so amazing, they're from Milwaukee," and he's like, "Why is that?" And he started talking to Shay Robotham and Luke Marlow, who are originally from Milwaukee as well, and they said it started with Q. You need to go talk to Q. And I love that, again, because it started with the content, man. It was just like, hey, like, let's collab, let's do something. And then the next person, and then the next person, and so on. It all just snowballed from there. Um, but people all over the world are seeing our content. People all over the world are seeing other Milwaukee creators' content. But we were the first Official like video team on the platform, which has allowed us to do that, and now it's it's snowballing into other platforms and um events and things like that, so our name is getting out there more. It's just the beginning, but I would say it stems from the fact that we're creating content
1: okay, that makes sense, and you know all, most of that content is on LinkedIn. you know when you started to put the team together, was everyone already creating content on LinkedIn, or was that something that you wanted people to start doing as they joined urban misadventures?
0: Um, I would say yes and no. Um, I would say that a lot of our content is on LinkedIn on a personal level, but I probably post more on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I probably pen more things on Pinterest. I probably tweet more than I post on LinkedIn. You know, like LinkedIn is just, that's what we're most like, that's where we're most known, but we post a lot. Like did is like 38, um, Thousand followers on Twitter. Optics got like eighty k plus his sixty k account that is growing rapidly. Um, Izzy's partnering with brands left and right on on his shoe account on Instagram. Like we're everywhere, and that's important to us. LinkedIn is just where a lot of that money is, but we're big believers in hey, build brand everywhere with all of our employees. Right. So again going to build like kind of an incubator everybody that comes in hey like what do you want to do what are your goals where do you want to go how can we help you get there and how can we help your personal brand grow quickly and again um we like there's just so much coming dude like so I don't really believe in like job security and career security. I think you have to build that personal brand. You have to build that brand equity because a job can go like that. An industry can be disrupted like that. A company could die like that. So how can we help our employees be more secure? And for us, that's okay. Let's invest in them. Let's invest in their personal brand so that they can do whatever they want to do. And LinkedIn just happened to be a part
1: of that. And talk to me, as a, st- as a founder, why do you feel comfortable putting your employees in the position to potentially leave you? You know, a lot of business owners, when they think about should they let their employees create their own personal brand under the umbrella of that company is like, why am I training this person to leave me one day? Talk about, you know, your own perspective on that.
0: Dude, it's scarcity abundance. So what I did before this, I was going into companies and essentially educating them. Hey, this is why your employees should have a personal brand. This is the benefits of that. This is... um how many, how much traffic you can drive by doing that, right? And there was a lot of pushback. And the reason it's so important to me, like everything that I just said, of course, but again, like I don't think it's a bad thing that people leave you because people are going to leave you if they want to leave you, right? Like I can have the best company in the world. If they're going to leave, they're going to leave. If they're going to stay, they're going to stay. Of course, I want them to stay. But if they leave and we had a good relationship and they left on good terms, they're always going to be an advocate for me. They're always going to be an advocate for the company and they'll probably give us referrals. Hey, Ken, like... You don't want to work here anymore, but damn, you just got a job at Disney or you just got a job at SpaceX. Okay, he's probably going to be like, okay, I really like this company. I really believe in the work that they do. Let's connect the two, right? So investing in your people and just being kind to your people goes a long way. Of course, I want them to stay, but it's not slavery, man, you know?
1: 100% and it's it's all about thinking long term, thinking about what they're going to be able to bring you when they do go to SpaceX and then they 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 recommend you to SpaceX. So talk to me about something you said earlier, which is that you guys are on every platform, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, LinkedIn. You know, I find a lot of people who are really getting popular on LinkedIn, they're actually very one dimensional. They don't post on other platforms. So talk about why in the long term it's it's so important to be everywhere, to spread yourself out, to not just be one dimensional
0: yeah i think a lot of things go into that um the biggest thing for me is honestly i think a lot of people that are succeeding or have found success on linkedin and the ones that are succeeding now a lot of them happen to be early adopters and i think same thing with instagram right like people hop on a platform they're early adopters and more than likely can have success and a lot of them are like hey like i'm an expert now or i'm the best at this now for me i wanted to prove that i'm the fucking best and i wanted that to be undisputed i wanted everyone to say, okay, yeah, he's the best, but I need to do that on every single platform. I wanted to do that where I needed to be, where I'm going to communicate to the people that I want to. Um, And it just gives you that credibility. It's brand equity being one dimensional. I like, I saw the benefit. I zoned in on LinkedIn for six months, but then I'm like, okay, let's move elsewhere. What can I do elsewhere? Where's my community? What, what content do I need to post where, you know, versus just seeming like i was an early adopter and i found success because i got lucky i want to prove that i'm actually good at what i'm saying i'm good at
1: 100 especially you know if urban misfit ventures if you're going to have that credibility the people who work there need to be able to build their personal brand and showcase that on all of these platforms um i want exactly. to go it's somewhere really, it's really the same and
0: like people like treat tiktok differently than instagram or tiktok differently than um, linkedin and like of course like you're speaking to different audiences but people like you for a reason. And I think it all comes down to clarity. And that's something that a lot of people just miss. And honestly, honestly, I miss for a long time. Like, why are people following me? Like, why are they attracted to me? What's the value that I'm bringing? Just really getting clear on that will help you on any, any platform.
1: So what's that clarity for you? You know, after I've done this for three to four years, why do you think people like you?
0: Again, man, like, I, th- I think there's a lot that goes into it, and it's different for every person. What I've heard feedback wise is that I'm really good at spotting potential in other people. And I genuinely care about other people and I want to see their success. Sometimes um, at the expense of my own success. You know, it's more exciting for me to see other people succeed than it is for me to succeed. And I really, really care about people. Other people, it's my energy. Like I get super excited about things, you know, um, it just, it really depends, but I would like to think that some of it is because of the value that I'm bringing in my unique perspective within that.
1: Okay. And then talk to me about, you know, we're talking about other platforms. If someone is very clear on what value they provide, give them some tips and strategies for how they can take that core foundation and then apply it to different rooms, you know, different social media platforms. LinkedIn is very different from Instagram. Instagram is different from TikTok, as you said. So how do you take that core and apply it to a new space?
0: Yeah, honestly, I think it comes down to clarity and understanding where you are. Um, You meeting at a coffee shop with um, people that you've never met before is very different than a networking event. That's very different than speaking at a speaking engagement. Learn the language of that medium that you're in. Learn that language of that platform that you're on and then go from there. You're the same person in that coffee shop. You're the same person at that speaking event. You're the same person at that networking event. But what's the language of the room? Are people expecting how can you effectively communicate with those people? Platform is the same thing, right? Instagram is completely different than LinkedIn but there's still people there and I think people focus way too much on the platform they don't focus on the people for Instagram like if I post something and I I spend a lot of time on it you know I'm talking about my life what I'm going through and someone like leaves a thoughtful comment I've started to just go in and say hey dude like thank you so much for sending this. Like, how are you doing? Like, how's your life going? Like, I can't do that at scale. That's very hard. It's impossible to scale, but I'm doing a lot and I'm building those relationships. I do the same thing on LinkedIn. Again, I can't do it a lot, but I do it when I can. Same thing, build those relationships and test and find, okay, this doesn't work here. This does work here. This is the language versus this is what Q is saying to do. I'm going to go do that, you know, test and see what's resonating and what's not.
1: So I love what you said about relationships. One thing that's been very interesting for me to watch is how Facebook's algorithm has changed to be more groups focused. So most of what you're seeing in the feed is based on posts within groups. I'm also a part of the video innovators group that you've created on LinkedIn. So talk to me about the value of niche communities on social media, especially as we look towards the next decade. Like, why are you so interested in those niche communities?
0: yeah so that that to me is a future man like um again like we have so much coming like virtual reality augmented reality um internet of things artificial intelligence blockchain like just so much like colonization of like different planets like just so many things coming and like i think people underestimate the impact of those things like just one of those things alone could change our lives but all of those things collectively like together there's literally another revolution coming. So social to me, again, technology is just meant to be an extension of who you are. And for the longest time, like we're staring at these screens, like we're not interacting with people, we're at a concert, but we're not actually experiencing the concert, we're taking a photo. Tech to me in the future will, again, get us back to that point where we're truly engaging, where we're truly interacting, we're actually in the moment. And social media, I see the same thing. Like we're standing, maybe it's digitally, but we're standing there and you're right next to me, you know, like we're having real conversation, but we're able to curate this group so we're not dealing with trolls we're not dealing with bullying or anything like that so that to me is a future in um, literally our misfits community our video innovators community that is i would credit most of our business success to those things because again we're building real relationships people again like are connecting with us on a deeper level in those groups but they're they're seeing our content and they're also referring us to clients and things like that so it's just it's been super super beneficial for our company and as a group as a whole.
1: Okay. So you talked a lot about VR, AI, blockchain. I want to spend some time talking about VR. Um, let's start here. Tell me about you know the first VR company you worked for and then I think you started your own. What was that experience like and what were you guys building slash working on?
0: Yeah. So I, I remember a conversation I had, um, I want to say junior or senior year of college. I'm blanking on the exact year. Um, but. I was in a weird period of my, of my career of my life. I was on the track team. I wasn't really good at school. I hated it, but I just got offered um, a part-time job with a VR company and a part-time job with a wearable tech company. And like that to me was, that was going to be the first step. This was the industry I wanted to be in. I was super excited about it. And I remember talking to my coach at the time, who's a big reason why I got into entrepreneurship. And he's like, dude, like I get it, but you're never going to regret, um, you're never going to regret staying on the track team, right? Like you're never going to regret, I'm sorry, you're never going to regret leaving this track team and going to work those jobs, but you will regret not working those jobs and staying on the track team. So he pushed me to to quit and I ended up taking both of those positions and the VR one specifically at the time they were building VR games. They were building um, curating experiences for people and companies um, in virtual reality, but then they segued into just like data visualization, visualization so your data but in in virtual reality and being able to manipulate that which was really cool to me Um, they offered me a full-time position but i honestly like i wanted to build something on my own i didn't want to be just stuck as their social media guy as their marketing guy i wanted to look innovative and i wanted to look cool so i launched my own even though i really had no idea what i was doing or how to build but during that time i taught myself how to 3d model i taught myself like unity and all these different tools that again i sucked but um, I built this team that was able to do these things. And about as far as we got was um, building a simulation that essentially you walk in a coffee shop, um, you order coffee in Spanish, and like that was it. Like we didn't have all the paths programmed or anything like that, but that was it. But I realized, hey, like I, I just want to look cool. I just want to look like I'm doing something versus my peers. But this is not actually what I'm passionate about. I love the space, I love the impact, and I totally see the potential there. It's just, it's not for me personally.
1: Okay. When you say it's not for me, you love the space. What don't you like about it? Like what is not for you?
0: It's not what I'm best at. So that company just at that time was not, not for me.
1: Okay. So where I want to go next is tell me about your career as a musician. I'm going to loop this back into VR, but I want to start here first. Like, tell me about your career as a musician.
0: Yeah. Um, so very, very (laughs) unconventional compared to other musicians. Um, I didn't start playing until I was about 17 years old. Um, my stepdad, like a lot of stuff went down at my home and like just really bad stuff. He ended up leaving, but he left a guitar. Um, and like our power was off at the, at the time and I had nothing to do. So I just started playing guitar. I tried to play before then because my dad played back in the day, but it just never stuck. But that time it did stick and i just i kept playing man and i kept singing my mom would like scream like you like shut up you suck like not like that but basically (laughs) uh, like i was terrible but like just one day i decided to post a video to youtube and then my entire school was talking about it which was crazy because i didn't promote it or anything like that and then i posted another one man and then i got like a gig singing for like 500 people for the first time and i had never like i didn't even talk in school so it just my life went from zero to like a thousand like that. Um, and that was the most people I'd ever been in front of at any time. And, Again, a lot of things were happening in my life at that time. So when I went to college, like I was homeless, um, the guitar was only the only thing that I had. My voice was the only thing that I had. So that's how I made money. Like I sang on the streets, man. Like I sang in little coffee shops. Um, like that that was the extent of my career. So I wasn't like big time or anything like that. I made some videos, but I kind of went dark. Like I really just sang small venues, but I learned how to hustle and I learned how to sell myself uh, because of that. And I, I credit a lot of my ideology around branding and personal branding to my time as a musician. I did that for about six, seven years.
1: Okay, and then why did you stop?
0: I'm um, because it, it's something I love. It really is something I love, but again, like I, I love the impact that I had. I didn't really like the practicing. I didn't really mm-hmm. like the, the the performing. I just loved the, the feeling that I could elicit in other people when I was singing.
1: Hmm, Okay. So one thing that's really interesting about VR is it can elicit some really, really strong emotions. Some that if you have never put on a VR headset, you just really can't understand. The reason I want to talk about VR and music is because, you know, when I was in college, just, um, you know, I just graduated this past year. I did a project where basically I created a VR app where someone could listen to their Spotify music playlist while they're in a VR environment. So what I want to talk about is what you think the intersection of music and virtual reality could potentially be just kind of what comes to mind riff a little bit for me.
0: Dude. I mean, we're seeing it in like video games. The intersection of um, video games and music, right? Like I think Ninja just got like a, a music deal or something like that, but like Even like when you're playing a game, like if the music isn't on point, you're going to notice. If it is on point, you're probably not going to notice, but it's going to, okay, I got to go. I got to go. I got to run. Like this thing is chasing me. Like there's just so many, so much so many possibilities there like i remember like back in the day when i was struggling um starting my first company i was laying in bed like i had a virtual reality headset i had my headphones on probably listening to pandora because i didn't use spotify back then um but like the places my mind would go because of this music and because of what i was seeing, what i was experiencing was just ridiculous man like it's therapeutic but also like what I, i i don't even know what the possibilities are man like i I absolutely love music, but I, I love it because like, I, I see things, you know, and like, I feel things that I can't explain, but it's there, it's a feeling. And I think virtual reality will allow people to express that and show that. So I think the next generation of creators are really going to thrive with that experiential stuff with things like that. And they're creating in there. I think that's going to be the next like Instagram change. Like, okay, photographers weren't that cool. Now they're cool because of Instagram. I think virtual reality is going to do that. Um. That's going to be the next generation of creators right there.
1: I totally agree with you. And let's talk a little bit about timeline because, you know, we talk about all of these things coming, but from my own personal perspective, I think some people are, are rushing it a little bit from my own perspective. I feel like consumer VR is something that might be, you know, 15 to 20 to 25 years away But B2B VR, you know, some of the simulations you were talking about, um, in your first job, I think that actually might be a a, a tad bit closer. So talk to me about timelines that you're thinking in terms of urban misfit ventures. Is VR something that you guys are already like really, really like investing in?
0: Yeah. So for urban misadventures, I don't foresee us getting into VR anytime soon. Um, mostly because it doesn't really interest anyone outside of me, Yeah. but (laughs) we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, as as an agency at least i don't see us getting into it let's say we start an esports team probably um i would actually say like b2b vr is already there um there's already companies again because the company i was working with was doing that in 2013 um so i would say b2b is there like probably not at the scale that we needed to be definitely not at the scale that we needed to be but it's definitely there um, and this company is using it like nfl for example like they're definitely using it um consumer wise i would i wouldn't say like 25 20 years i think things just move way too fast for that like, at least me personally that's what i would say um, but we're definitely not there now i know people were saying like 5 years 5 years ago so i would agree like mm-hmm. people are like just over over exaggerating like it's already here like now is a thing and i was definitely one of those people but i would say in the next 10 years dude at least augmented reality will mm. be there virtual reality we we struggle right now with finding a real need on the consumer level like why do i need this um, And i think gaming and entertainment is definitely there but what's the real what's the real need but for us like at urban misadventures i don't foresee us getting into that anytime soon
1: Okay, so I wanna I wanna start talking a little bit about storytelling and then transition into to public speaking. You know, when I was looking through some of your posts yesterday, there's this one that says, "If you're a storyteller, start paying attention to the gaming industry." What do you mm-hmm. think the gaming industry has has figured out that other people who are just creating content on LinkedIn, for for example, can can take from?
0: Dude, yeah, Um, um I had a. I struggle a lot with getting things out of my head because I think way too much. Um, And I I had just got done talking to my business coach and I get back and I'm like, yo, Ken, who's one of our videographers, he's actually just sitting right here um, on the floor sighing at how boring I am right now, but he's (laughs) recording this Uh, like, Ken, help me, help me work something out. And. I know this isn't video games, but I think video games do this well. And I'm like, okay, like TV shows, right? Like TV shows, they have like this overarching theme for like the entire series. Like Game of Thrones, like winter's coming, we got to get ready, but like who's going to win the, the crown, right? Like there's that overall theme, but each season also has a theme. And then you'll have like filler episodes in between, right? And I think as personal branding like when it comes to personal branding or even like company brands like they lack that story right they lack that they don't know where they're going and they're not communicating those things there's no characters there's no reason to be invested and for us as we're building this thing i want it to feel like like a story you're consuming and you want to consume you want to come back because you're emotionally invested in our characters and our story and the overall story and i think tv shows but video games do an even better job at that um one good example for me would be blizzard like overwatch or um apex is also doing something similar like all of their characters have like huge huge followings like individual characters of these people like they get so excited oh my god like they'll start making like comics and things like that and like um cosplay and all these things because they're so invested in these characters but then they contribute to that overarching story video games do a very very good job of that but again also tv shows it just depends on what shows game of thrones i'm a Huge, huge fan.
1: How did you feel about season eight?
0: Oh, it was terrible. But <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: want to. I don't want to give you any PTSD. I hated season eight <laughs> as well. Um, so let's let's skip over it. Um, so you're going to be speaking at uh, some conference called Inbound in, in yeah. this year, yes? Um, so yeah. talk to me about uh, as. Give us a little bit of a preview. Like, what story are you going to tell about yourself? What's your character going to be like? What are you thinking about what you're going to present at Inbound?
0: Yeah. So at inbound, I'm super excited. Um, because again, like I started speaking public speaking, like generously, I want to say two years ago, but I think it's less than that, like a year and a half. Um, I puked the first one again, I had no experience, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't like being bad at things. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get good. Um, so i I would say I'm kind of good now. Like I'm okay. I'm doing inbound. But one of my goals was to do one large scale event. And I did that last year. That was VidCon. And then another one of my goals was TEDx after that. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I want to do something big. And I just randomly applied for inbound. I was drinking wine. It was a night of, and I got it. Um, and I, I know that I'm speaking to a lot of people that don't really know me yet, that aren't consuming my stuff. So I do want to spend i've got 45 minutes which is very long spend some time talking about like where i came from you know like the struggles like how bad it was and then roll into okay this is what i did to do that and by doing that that's when i'm going to dive in okay this is why you're not making money on linkedin this is what you should be doing which is what my talk is about and then i'll show them okay this is this is the result this is what happened Right. So um, using LinkedIn again, like I'm weird, dude, like a like a TV show. Right. Like like a channel versus like a a profile, turning it into a funnel, like um, all of those different things. But walking them through my life and how I actually did it. These are the things that I did. These are the steps that you can take. Here's my blueprint. Do what you will.
1: And so why do you think it's important to lay the foundation of you and your story before you actually get into the tactics of how you can help people?
0: Dude, yes. Um because I that's that's like the most important thing to me and I think it's so skipped over. I hate a lot of the most of the stuff that is coming out of people when it comes to personal branding um everyone share your story put yourself out there but not enough people are saying build you focus on you because it starts with the clarity if you don't know who you are you can't help anybody if you don't know what your story is no one's gonna fucking follow the story if you don't know where you're going no one can follow you or nor will they follow you if you don't know what you're selling or why they should buy from you no one's gonna buy right because they can't because they don't know why and there's no story there they can't be emotionally invested so it starts with clarity i know who i am i know where i came from I know where I'm going I know what I'm selling and I know why I'm so good at it if I can communicate that I can get you every single time so if people know who they are and what they're good at and again where they're going and why people what's their unique value proposition then they can sell then they can build that brand effectively but it starts with clarity and it starts with getting to know yourself and communicating that with the world
1: 100% so this is a selfish question just for me I just graduated college and I can tell that, you know, public speaking is something that I can be good at and it's also something that I like. But do you think just, you know, one man's opinion, is it best to just continue to put out content and wait for opportunities to appear or should I actively be trying to find those opportunities?
0: I would ask you, um, where are you at in your journey, honestly? Um, If it was me personally and where I was, I would say wait. And the reason I would say wait to me back then is because I hadn't really done anything yet. I was still like massively struggling. I didn't really know much. I was still learning and I was still in that growth phase. I'm still growing and I'm still learning, of course, but I hadn't really done anything yet that deserved that attention on stage. I didn't really have that story yet. Of course, I could talk and put myself out there and get better, but I would tell myself to wait. Um, To someone like me or someone like you that has a company or they have done something, right? I would say go after it. Like Do both. Like Keep creating content, but reach out. Even if it's as simple as, hey, man, I just want to reach out and talk to these kids, right? Um, Because I was in high school and I did this. If you want to get better, just start there. But don't be afraid to ask. Because again, like inbound is going to be the biggest, the largest speaking engagement I've ever done. And I did it the night it was due and I was drinking wine. And TEDx I applied to as well. Like it was, (laughs) I did it the night of and I was drinking wine. So um, don't be afraid to ask, man. You never know what the answer is going to be. The worst I can say is no
1: hundred percent. And I think, uh, I think I need to be a little bit more self-aware about where I am in my journey. And if I really do have what it takes at this point to be able to get up on a stage and, and tell my story. So I think that's, uh, I think I need to do a little bit more work in that department. Dude, but, but honestly, um, like
0: I would also say, don't listen to people like me, at least not, not too much. Right. Cause again, there's always going to be someone that needs to hear it. Cause there's always going to be someone that's going through the things that you've already been through. So don't listen too much to people like me. If you think it's now do it
1: I love that. Um, I just want to ask a few more questions before we wrap up. You have your own podcast called strange on purpose, which I think is really interesting because from my perspective, there are basically three types of podcasts. (laughs) There's like what Gary V does where it's just like, you know, ripping the audio from the other content that he does. It's all about him. Then there's podcasts like this where every single episode is me interviewing someone else. And then there's podcasts like strange on purpose where there's like three people or four people just kind of having a conversation, Why did you want to go with that format?
0: That's an interesting question. No one's asked us that. I like that. Um, I would say that format because we wanted it to be real. Uh, We don't prep any of our guests. We don't give them any questions or anything like that, because we want it to be real. We want that authentic conversation, but also like, again, like we want to have a conversation. We actually want to learn from these people. Like Izzy will lock down a guest and I'm like, damn, like I need to get on that episode, man. Like he's, he was in the esports industry. Like I need to get in on this. We're actually excited about, about the people that we're interviewing. So I would say more for the fact that we wanted to keep it interesting, but we actually want to learn from these people and where we're going in the future. Like Izzy's probably going to niche down on, like, fashion and, like, streetwear. Like, we all love fashion. He is obsessed with streetwear and shoes, so he's going to talk, talk about it. I'll probably, like, niche down on video games, and I'll probably do another thing on entrepreneurs, you know? Like, just what are we actually interested in, and then how can we keep that more conversational so it's candid and it's real and it's authentic?
1: Great. And so we're almost, uh, it's, it's crazy to say this, we're almost done with 2019. <laughs> what can we expect from Urban Misfit Ventures in 2020?
0: Oh, I like that, man. Um, honestly, like it's been a crazy year for the company. Um, just a lot of growth as individuals and just as a company um, had some employee changes, you know, like just really laying down the foundation. 2020, I'm not fucking around, man. Like 2020, I'm not fucking around. <laughs> like, I, I want to do some damage in the most beautiful way. Um, so I would say just, just pay attention watch the story, watch the growth, okay. because it's going to be, we're going to go fast.
1: I love that. And you know, most people who are listening to this, they they know who you are, they probably know who Urban Misfit Ventures is. But if there's anything that you'd like to plug tickets to inbound, something that you're doing on Instagram, like this is this is the time, like, what do you want to what do you want to say or give to the audience?
0: Dude, Honestly, I would say like, I don't, I don't really need anything. What I would say is like, if you are creating content, you're doing anything like don't waste so much time on on people like me on consuming. Like I appreciate the support that truly means the world, but like go show that to the people that are following you. Like all the time that you would spend commenting on my stuff, go spend it on someone that's commenting on yours, and just go send them a message and say what's up, like or thank you so much. Like how are you doing? Because that that goes so far, and I know it's not scalable, but you do those things, and it it will take you to the next
1: level hundred percent. And just to reemphasize for everyone that's listening, like when I started to grow on LinkedIn, it was because I was responding to the comments that people were commenting on my posts, but also hitting their profile, going to see what they posted today and commenting on their stuff. Like yes. a lot of people are trying to get the attention of people like yourself or Shay Rowbottom or Gary Vaynerchuk when the people they should be focusing on are the people that are right next to them that are yes. already trying to say, hey. So uh, I really, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, Q, thank you so much for the time.
0: Dude, I appreciate you, man. It means the world.
1: Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will speak again soon. You as well, my man. Hey, podcast. Thank you so much for listening all the way until the end. Quick plug here for VoiceXP's LinkedIn page. I also run VoiceXP's LinkedIn page, and we're trying to basically document the process of being a startup company that's trying to figure things out, that's trying to grow, that's trying to get more users, that's doing things like podcasting and content marketing and really just trying. We're trying out here, you know, and so I would really just appreciate if you get any value from the podcast, go give us a follow on LinkedIn. We talk about way more than just the guests that we have on the show, but we also talk about our personal journey and what we're going through and some of the, the changes and adaptations and things that we're thinking about. And as a small business, I just think that that content could be really valuable for you because I think you'll be able to relate and you'll be able to get little nuggets um, from the experiences that we're sharing about, you know, our own business and our own struggle. So head on over to voice. XP Inc. Give our page a follow and uh, please like and comment on our content. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.